Today's show is being brought to you by Cause Marketing Forum and SelfishGiving.com. And we want to thank our sponsor, 1BillionShirts.org. Custom t-shirts that help others. Print with them, and 25 cents from every t-shirt benefits a good cause. And remember, you can find Cause Talk Radio on Stitcher Smart Radio as well as iTunes. Leave us a comment at either one of those platforms, and we'll send you a Cause Talk Radio t-shirt. Hi, everyone. This is Joe Waters, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Cause Talk Radio. I'm, of course, here with my lovely co-host, Megan Strand. Hey, Megan. Hello. How are you today? I'm excellent. You know what we had in Boston today? Uh, snow. 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 Was it April 16th? I can't believe. Already still getting snow on the ground. Just and- in time for the marathon. That's right. Next week will be a blizzard for the marathon or something. <laughs> Fortunately, next week for the marathon is actually uh, looking pretty good. And that's actually the topic of our show today. We'll be talking about something. And on the line right now, Megan, is Rich Maori, who is Senior Vice President of Cone Inc. Hey, Rich. Afternoon, guys. How you doing? You know what I love having uh, Rich on, Megan, for? What? If Bruce Birch who we have identified as the father of cause marketing and Carol Cohn, the mother of cause marketing had a baby. (laughs) It would be rich Maori. (laughs) I'm that bad bastard. Love job. (laughs) (laughs) That's a new one, Joe. That's right. That's a good one. huh? So we are talking today, rich. We want to talk a little bit about Boston strong. Um, As you know, yesterday here in Boston, we, commemorated the anniversary of the attacks. Um, It was a cold, windy, raw day here in Boston, but a lot of festivities happened, including the vice president of the United States coming to town to speak. Um, And, you know, a lot of people, though, Rich, in the past year, uh, we've seen a lot of Boston Strong, which has become kind of this moniker for resiliency here in the city. Some people say it's starting to get a little bit old and that it's really not meeting, you know, it's really not meeting kind of the philanthropic expectations that people originally had for Boston Strong. What do you think? Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. It began as this rallying cry and yeah. attitude, if you will, to help people heal um, and bring us and coalesce together. Yep. And obviously, you know, smart folks, uh, certainly the guys at Emerson College who created the T-shirts, mm-hmm. you know, came at it through a philanthropic lens. But as we've seen with things like Katrina and Haiti, mm-hmm. uh, that there are real fundraising efforts out there, and then there's shady fundraising efforts out there. Yeah. Um, and I think, unfortunately, Boston Strong has fallen into that category where it's now kind of been usurped by others who want to sell stuff and not always do good. Yep. So. Um, you know, unfortunately, it takes some policing, and there's not really a nonprofit in charge of Boston Strong. It is kind of in the public domain and gets right. used by others. So, unfortunately, it's it's gone that path. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, uh, Rich, we t- we should tell our listeners too that um, the Boston Strong uh, name was actually coined by a couple Emerson College students who uh, who actually put it on a T-shirt. Um, and ended what's goal. I, th- I think their goal, um, Megan and Rich, was, was to sell, uh, I don't know, 100 shirts or something mm-hmm, like that. They ended mm-hmm. up selling, uh, uh, what was it 66,000 last count? Yeah, they're up to 66,000. 100% yeah. of the profits going to uh, the one fund, which is yep. the, the nonprofit for most of the, uh, the Boston Marathon survivors. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and their total donation is now more than a million dollars. More than a million dollars, yeah. Yeah, so that's pretty awesome incredible. Stuff. But it just took off after that. 
in I, terms of, you know, people finding it everywhere. And now you can find it just about on anything. You know, there's mints I picked up the other day that said Boston is strong on them. I love the NPR just did a story on this. And I loved the commentary. They were talking to somebody. It must have been in Faneuil Hall with a cart that was selling just Boston strong stuff. And they asked the merchant if the if any of the money from the sales of the T-shirts or the swag was going to support the one fund. And the vendor said, <laughs> it did last year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, not a, not a best practice in terms of transparency or uh, clarity of what the dollar's going for. I, I think, you know, I would throw a lot of this back onto the consumers. You know, why are you buying the Boston Strong stuff? Is it to make a statement in yeah. the sense of, you know, I want to show my pride in, in around this issue or am I trying to do good? Mm-hmm. Now, if you want to make a statement, then go buy anything that says Boston Strong on it. If you want to do good, there's some due diligence you're going to need to do because there's so much crap out there. Um, and you're going to have to ask the vendor, and you're going to have to ask you know, what percentage of this goes to. I think the NPR article and story referenced two T-shirts in the same shop. 50% of the profits of one shirt went to the one fund. That's and right. None yep. went to the other. Yep. And they're sitting right next to each yeah, other saying in the, the same, same store. Thing. So there's... Yeah, exactly. So there's this due diligence mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we as consumers need to take. And what's our motivation? Is it to, to do good or is it to be seen doing good and kind of make a statement? But don't if, you think don't you think that's asking a lot of consumers? Because it is. <laughs> I just it, it absolutely is. But without a nonprofit who to manage right. and police the use of boss uh, live strong, a la like Komen does with for the cure. Yep. There's no one to police it except ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, yep. and that begs the question, should the one fund or should the Emerson College guys have put some legal trademark around around Boston Strong to sort of own it and make sure that, mm-hmm. that things were being directed to Well, it was it. interesting, though, is and, and Rich, you know this from being in Boston yourself, is that when people tried to do that, there was a backlash against that. Yeah, I believe the, the genie's out of the proverbial bottle uh, yeah. in terms of trying to rein it back in. I do think that, as we've seen with Haiti and Tsunami Relief and Katrina and other things like this, where we've seen a great spike, um, mm-hmm. certainly after the, the anniversary of the, of the marathon the bombings, you will start to see it level off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what could be interesting for, uh, for Boston Strong is that the needs are ongoing for the, mm-hmm. the, the survivors and the victims of the bomb. Right. Um, so there could be a way that Boston Strong could, in the one fund, will continue to play a role because the needs are so great and, and so long-term. But I do see a leveling off um, of the Boston Strong stuff. It will always be in our vernacular, and you will always see products, but I do think you will start to see it kind of, certainly kind of Fizzle find, a little it bit. Rest, yeah, find its resting place. Yeah. The other, right. the other thing I want to ask both of you about, and this was, again, brought up in the NPR story, is I, I, I don't know who said this. It was probably the reporter, but saying or asking the question, is there a need to have an organization that kind of gives a good housekeeping seal of approval for these types of, of things. And this is something that we several years ago sort of looked at at the cause marketing forum. And the response we got from companies that we talked to was nope, not interested. I mean, there was very little interest out there, but is this something Joe and rich that needs to be out in the marketplace as cause campaigns become more prolific rich you were talking about it's the consumer's responsibility to do this but without any sort of clear barometer about is this okay is it not is it legit is it not you know i I think that's a a pretty tall ask 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, one of the things I would add, and I'd be interested, uh, Rich, to get your reflections on this, too, is um, if Boston or if Massachusetts did a better job kind of adopting the guidelines that the New York Attorney General's office adopted with regard to pink campaigns, and they had five specific guidelines, one of which included you know, uh, companies have to be very specific where the money is going, how much of the money is going, when the money will get to the charity, uh, whether or not the attorney general's office here in Massachusetts could have done a better job kind of policing these mm. things or at least issued some guidelines of what expectations were. So I think you nailed it right there. That um, I do that all the time. Going to be, all the time, right? Way to go, buddy. <laughs> it is going to be hard to get this standard that is uniformly used nationally by all companies and all nonprofits in terms of mm-hmm. a good housekeeping seal approval. I, Megan, agree. It's going to be a heavy lift. Mm-hmm. I yeah. do think what New York, they've done in New York State is a model that other states could apply. We constantly refer clients back to that's best practice. What they've yeah. called out there in New York, and even if you're in Minnesota, you could be using these kind of level of transparency, level of clarity. Uh, so it's very clear to the consumer what you are promoting and what you're doing with the dollars raised. And that's just kind of common sense, but that kind of uniformity in codifying it mm-hmm. is certainly what we hear consumers wanting more of. They're just not being vocal enough to affect widespread change, but it certainly happened in New York, and I would imagine it will happen in other, other states. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't see it happening on a kind of a national level. Well, and I don't even think, I I love the guidelines, and I think they're solid and strong, and I think referring people to them who are creating cause programs is is legitimate. I I don't even think, I think barring any major lawsuits, though, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. that's what's going to really make companies stand up and pay attention is, holy heck, we really do need to be paying attention to this. I mean, it's, there are always going to be the companies who do things the most transparently possible, but there are always going to be people out there who kind of cut the corners or say, no, that's not for me or what have you. So I think in the absence of any major lawsuits, and we haven't seen one for quite some time that's been public that I've known about, I'm sure there are plenty that are avoided on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I mean, is that really going to, is, is that change going to ever happen? Well, you know, I, I think too, that as cause campaigns become uh, so dominant in the marketplace that being uh, transparent in disclosing a good amount of information about the cam- campaign will be a way to uh, to obtain additional credibility in doing something. You know, so people will say like, yeah, you know, people could slap their logo on anything and say they're supporting a cause. But here's how we're really demonstrating on a very clear mm-hmm. sales tag here about how much money and where it's going and all those different things. It's a, a case we try to make certainly to clients that, that clarity and the impact of what you're doing with the dollars could be a point of differentiation among a sea of sameness in cause offers. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully they'll do more of that. You've seen a little bit of the, the backlash certainly around anything with a pink on it, and yep. consumers starting to uh, get smart on that. Right. So it's increasingly cluttered and cynical marketplace when it comes mm-hmm. to cause. Well, and and one way it- to stand out. Go ahead, Megan. Oh, I was just going to say, will it go away? But like, for example, the whole greenwashing movement, you hardly ever see anything that says it's green anymore. I mean, the color mm-hmm. may still be used. Pink's mm-hmm. sort of, I mean, it's it's still there, but then you have pink washing and people get pink fatigue. I mean, mm-hmm. is that sort of, is that the trajectory that people will just get sick of it? Because 
I still go back to it's a tall ask to ask people to do a lot of due diligence to dig into this stuff. And, you know, it may seem secondhand to the three of us who look at this stuff all day long. But, it, mm-hmm. you know, it's just really not to the average consumer. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. When we do a lot of consumer research about what type of offers they respond to on pack or at retail, and we hear things like they hate language that says you know, company will donate up to yeah. X amount of dollars. But companies to have that to protect themselves legally and, and for other yep. reasons. Yep. And then they put it out there anyway, and consumers buy it anyway. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes there's the, in, you know, the intent versus the behavior. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the perception versus the behavior. And those, there's still is a kind of a gap there. Yeah. And, you know, we're seeing that even with the Boston Strong stuff, Rich, in that people are buying Boston Strong stuff, not necessarily to support the one fund, but because they want something that says Boston Strong. Yeah. Again, to make a statement, um, maybe being perceived as doing good, so they don't care. Um, And then hopefully we start, we as the practitioners every day, Mm -hmm. start making the story in this case for greater clarity from companies and producers of products like this and then making the case to consumers of you know, be a smart cause consumer right and start asking harder questions i, I yep. do agree with you megan you know change will come glacially as well <laughs> but i do think it'll get there because there's going to be more and more cause stuff in the marketplace and one Absolutely. way to stand out will yep. be that need for greater clarity mm-hmm. and confirmation of proof we do mm-hmm. hear consumers say it's not enough to show me your purpose but show me you know the proof of your purpose, what right. you've done with it. Yep. And I do think that that kind of trend lends itself well to you know, greater clarity on, on packaging and, and products like what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. Rich, I have a question for you that I'm interested to get your thoughts on is, do you think uh, the Boston Strong Movement and the One Fund that materialized after the tragedy last year, do you think that's a good model for other places in this country specifically that have suffered strategies? Do you think Boston is a good example of how to do things in the wake of something like that? It, it's a great question. You know, Katrina, mm-hmm. you could argue that was right. on a scale far greater than yeah. what happened in Boston. Absolutely. Uh, Haiti, uh, the tsunami. Mm-hmm. Um, and each of them had a varying level of rise and, and ultimately plateauing and fall, if you will, around their fundraising efforts. Boston seemed to capture it with a very crisp, concise motive called action that I think set the bar. And should, God forbid, another disaster befall the community here in the States or even abroad, you you would probably see folks try to replicate some of the learnings from Boston in how we were able to quickly, concisely create this call to action that rallied an entire community. community with a capital C, meaning a big mm-hmm. community here in Boston. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think it's interesting, too, is um, about the uh, shortly after um, uh, the Boston Marathon bombings, um, we had that terrible tragedy in the Arizona where 19 firefighters died. And uh, there was a good deal of money raised for them, certainly not the $70 million that was raised after the, uh, the Boston Marathon. Um, but the big problem there was that a lot of the money went to a lot of different organizations because there wasn't something like the one fund where people could direct mm-hmm. a lot of their giving. So consequently, what happened is people were giving money to charities that maybe wanted to build a memorial 
to honor the firefighters when people had given the money with the intent that the money would go to the families of the firefighters. So there was some confusion. That's a great there. example. Yeah. That's a great example. You, I think by last count, there are like 23 different nonprofits that kind of popped up or yeah. made appeals. I actually right. even saw it here in Boston recently yeah. at the death of two uh, firefighters. That's right. There were four right. different, at one point, four different charities you could donate to to help these families uh, in some yeah. form or fashion. Well, yeah. and that, yeah. that and just again, speaks to that alliance piece. And, you know, Boston raised probably as much money as they did because there was one place that people knew you've got mm-hmm. organizations that care about this that can help all sort of working together under this mm-hmm. one fund. And mm-hmm. so it, it, there wasn't as much decision making that needed to happen. And yeah. there, it's just whether or not it was true, it it lent a sense of legitimacy yeah. to that one organization. So I think your firefighter example from Arizona, Joe, is spot on because, yeah. you know, people get confused and they don't want to feel like their money is going to s- no, some other place. No, and if no. people are working together, which is something we've talked about before on this show, it just doesn't happen often enough. You've got 7 million charities out in the world all trying to yeah. carve their little piece of the whatever, yeah. and they end up competing instead of collaborating. And it's mm-hmm. it just makes people confused and yep. not want to give, quite frankly, because yeah. they feel like if you're really trying to make a dent in this problem, you should really be working together. Yeah. No, it's 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 true. And, you know, it's almost like I think from a cause marketing perspective, guys, like it's almost like we need to provide a kit to, you know, to communities so that when something like this happens, you know, there's someone that goes in there and says, look, this is how you should do this. This is how you should raise money. This is how you should engage the business community around this. These are some of the expectations you should set for people that want to do cause related campaigns for you. Uh, you know, so there's some type of model because, you know, these people have the best of of intentions, but you know they're in a very vulnerable spot, and they need someone with best practices and someone who has their head about them to help them at that moment. You just came up with a new business for yourself, Joe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. it's supposed to be, the, the name of that business is the American Red Cross. But that's not what <laughs> I, I feel, right? But it does become this after after disasters race to the podium. Yeah. To say we're the one charity you should give to in Arizona, unfortunately, and even here in Boston after the firefighters, there was a, a fighting for the microphone of what charity to give to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you do almost, to Joe's point, almost have this breaking case of emergency plan. Mm-hmm. Should we need to develop a community-wide fundraising appeal? Who's the lead dog? Yeah, right. And you know, how do we channel this so there's not 17 different asks but one? Because I do believe that that Boston was a great model for that as well. Right. And, you know, I'll bring up something else, I think, and this may be somewhat controversial to bring up, but one of the things I'm challenged by, too, is I think that there is such a flood of money and interest in helping people after a tragedy that there's a question, I think, like, is there a parity? Is there a fairness among tragedies that people get the money they deserve and need. And uh, I always think of the example of the, the, the guy who directed the one fund, I forget his name, um, and, you know, when it was first started. And uh, he was also a director for the, for the money for the, World, for the World Trade Center after that disaster. Correct. And someone said, to, and a mother wrote to him whose son had died in the Oklahoma City bombings. And she said, where's my check? Where's my money? And, you know, it brings up a good point that, you know, there isn't a lot of parity. There isn't a lot of fairness. And we can go back to these firefighters, too, that died so sadly and unfortunately in that here, these firefighters, they didn't raise a a quarter of the money that the one fund raised. And we were talking about 19 firefighters that gave their lives. 
And, you know, I, can we do a better job raising money nationally in a very fair way? I'm not sure that we can. You can sit by my silence and Megan's that you've said something <laughs> pretty provocative and it's something we hadn't really you guys fully like, considered. <laughs> nice job. No, I think it's kind of like, you know, this one, you know, a tragedy happens here. These people get a flood of money. They get all these money and resources and then something else happens and people don't get anything. I, you know, and it's kind of it almost seems like, you know, is there a way of sharing the pie a little bit more that is better for everyone? You're talking about yeah. like a national one national fund. disaster fund. Yeah, you know, something like that. I don't know. You know, like I said, I think of the Red Cross fits this bill in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. But there's many instances where it doesn't. About the same the same day as the Boston Marathon tragedy, there was a terrible tragedy in Texas at a fertilizer plant and several people died. And Mm -hmm. I don't remember any of those people getting big checks uh, to help them with, you know, their loss or injuries or what have you. Uh, Certainly not to the extent of the money that we raised in Boston, which I think is a testament to what happened in Boston and the generosity of people, but it also really kind of pains me to think about those people who are left, who are left out. Well, and it, that yeah. comes full circle back to that whole Boston strong. I mean, was part of the reason that so much money was raised partially because you had this whole Boston strong cry, this cry and this one so. call to action. Yeah. I mean, you've got, it's, it's basically yeah. a story in branding that yeah, right. I think was mm-hmm. a little bit inadvertent, but it's, it's an interesting point. Um, well, you know what it is too, is it, it, you know, the tragedy just didn't affect those people that were hurt. It affected everyone who attended the marathon, who ran in the marathon, who was watching the marathon. And that's where I think the power and intensity of Boston Strong really came from. Right. Because every, um, everyone that, felt as if they had been injured. Yeah. And you know, yeah. the fact that it was done by others, it wasn't a natural disaster. It yeah. was, you know, it took on a, a, a sense of evil and yeah, a right. sense of we're going to rally against that evil. Mm-hmm. There are more of us than there are them. Mm-hmm. I think played into it. I think Megan's right. There was a rallying cry. There was a one place you could donate. So there are many best practices, as we talked earlier about, um, that other communities could learn from should, uh, unfortunately, something like this happen there yeah. that they could learn from. And I think, yeah. you know, uh, it's it's worth a great kind of Harvard Business School case study yeah, and not to mention for others to learn from. That the, the marathon itself has become such a charity event in its own right. I think that lent a lot of power to it, too. Whereas I think yeah, it's it? more it's, uh, kind of a professional race with a mm-hmm. lot of, you know, a, a lot of people running, you know, a, a much smaller field with, you know, an elite field and stuff like that. That, that might have not been the outrage, but what we were dealing with was not only some serious energetic runners, but some people who knew how to raise money. It, what is it? It's the largest nonprofit fundraising event in the world. I think so. Once you add up everything. Yeah, right. So, yeah, all, all sorts of good points. Well, if we can believe it, we've already come to the end of our episode uh-huh. and our time uh-huh. with Rich. Uh-huh. I know it's sad because we don't yeah. get to talk to him very well. You often. know what the thing is, too, is is uh, Rich was going to run the entire marathon this year as a chicken. Wow. In a chicken costume. <laughs> but now we can't do that because they're not allowing costumes this year. No uh, costumes. No costumes. So I didn't Rich hear was that. Like, <laughs> have you ever run the Boston Marathon, Rich? I have not. I've done a couple, but not the Boston. It's on the bucket list. 
Okay, we're going to put that in there. I ran it in 2005, or or as I like That's to right. tell people, 25 pounds ago. And uh, <laughs> but we're going to run it again. I think the three of us should run. I like it. We'll okay. do it. We'll do it. Well, thank you so much. For the one fun. For the one fun. There you go. Thank you so much for joining us today, Rich. If people want to find out more about you or Cone Communications, how might they do that? Uh, Certainly on our website, conecommunications.com, or even my LinkedIn profile at Rich Maori, M-A-I-O-R-E. Excellent. And we will put that in the show notes. Cone also has a fantastic newsletter that comes out every Friday called Prove Your Purpose. So we'll try to link to that as well. If you are not signed up for that, it's it's a must read if, Tremendous you, are in, resource. if you are into this space. So we will yep. put that link up. Joe, where can people find you? Well, of course, people can find me on my blog at SelfishGiving.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Joe Waters. And, you know, it was good talking about Boston Strong and supporting the victims um, on Pinterest, Pinterest.com front slash Joe Waters. You can find a whole board dedicated to cause marketing promotions. And I just pinned my 100th pin on that board. Woo-hoo. And if you go to that, you you can see some great examples of some Boston Strong uh, fundraising. And that money went to the people. Uh, so that's something that's great, Megan and Rich. Uh, Megan, what about you? Where can people find you? I'm also on Twitter at Megan Strand, and I tweet for the Cause Marketing Forum at TweetCMF. And I also blog for the Cause Marketing Forum at Cause Update. And you can find Cause Talk Radio on Stitcher Smart Radio as well as iTunes. Please sign up for the podcast to subscribe. Make sure you don't miss an episode and leave us a comment while you're there. And on behalf of Rich and Joe and myself, we'd like to thank you for joining us for another episode of Cause Talk Radio. We'll see you next time.